0: Pack underscore that app. Well, um, Matt over at Hey, we like your pod is to blame for this. <laughs> this was not the plan forty-five seconds ago, but he wanted uh, my fifty-three man in writing. So I just want to—I've had a couple thoughts, and considering this podcast is for Tuesday, many of you will be listening to this after decisions have already been made. So I'm just going to describe to you why I'm an idiot, if that's all right to you, because you already have the answers. So um, I want to start with that. I guess just let's let's get into it. I have kind of, I guess, done a... I don't know if it's a complete 180 is um, the best way to uh, describe it, but I've come up with a decision for wide receiver that is a very big departure from where I've been, just because of my, my thinking on it has is, is changed. It's similar to what I've been saying about wide receiver. I don't want to add anybody that isn't going to help us, that isn't going to play, isn't going to contribute, doesn't really serve a purpose. And my issue with Winfrey and Toure is they're going to sit at the back of the roster and do what? Not much. Here's the thought that I had, though. We've got a lot of guys, but we also have a lot of questions. How many wide receivers do we actually have? We have Lazard for sure. We have Watkins. He has injury concerns, so there's potential that he's not going to be playing the entire season or whatever. We have Randall Cobb. We have Christian Watson, who is not ready to play, hasn't taken a single snap. We have Romeo Dobbs, who is talented, but also doesn't exactly know what he's doing. We have Amari Rogers, who is a backup to our slot receiver and maybe won't have a very prominent role on the offense at all because, again, he's a backup slot receiver. So in terms of, like, long-term guys that we know are ready to go, understand the offense, etc., it's basically Lazard and Cobb. If I'm carrying another wide receiver, a seventh wide receiver, which is a massive number that the Packers really never do, it's not going to be another guy that doesn't know what he's doing, which would be Samori Ture. It's going to be a guy that I can turn to in times of trouble. For example, Watkins went down. We need somebody to start. Dobbs isn't quite getting it. Watson isn't getting caught up to speed. Winfrey is the guy, not Ture. Everybody wants Ture because they think he has some kind of special elite talent, but I don't think that's the case. So the only way in my mind Ture gets on the field is if we keep eight. Now, I still think six is a possibility, but the more I started thinking through it, I kind of think you need a guy like Winfrey. We don't know 100% where Dobbs is at. We do know 100% that Watson is not ready, and maybe he'll get there at some point. But as of right now, he is not ready, so we can almost scratch him off. He's going to be carried on the 53, but he is not a week one ready-to-contribute guy. In fact, let me put it this way. Let's say we do this. We got Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dobbs, Watson, Rogers, Winfrey. Those are our seven. Week one, who gets more snap counts, Winfrey or Watson? We know Watson is higher up on our 53 or whatever, but Winfrey's going to be out there more than Watson. Winfrey's going to be out there more than Amari Rogers. He might be out there more than Romeo Dobbs. I don't know that he's not. I wouldn't expect that to stay that way. But if we're talking week one, we need guys that are 100% ready to go. Winfrey's that guy. I don't know that Dobbs is. He'll be out there. They love his his potential and all that stuff. But yeah, I I, I don't know that that isn't the reality. So the more I started thinking through that, the more I thought Winfrey is, is not only a possibility, but a borderline necessity, at least until we can get some of these other guys up to speed. Because... Dobbs, Watson, and Amari Rogers right now, I don't know exactly how much they contribute. I also wanted to look kind of around, this is basically what Matt is doing, is putting together an aggregate thing, so he'll have a more accurate representation, but I just want to get a general feel for what everybody else is doing. haven't really done that yet, but um, I I definitely see a couple areas where I would say my opinions stand out, one of which already came and went, and I was wrong about it, so probably where I need to really (laughs) reevaluate stuff. Um, As I'm looking around, though, this one is relatively common. Um, Looks like Ingles did it. Uh, Bill Huber has it this way. Big B on Twitter. I'm actually surprised at how many this is. Um, It's pretty much everybody. Paul Breedle (laughs) has it this way. Zach Cruz has it this way. A few few people don't. I've seen a couple that are keeping eight wide receivers, which seems insane to me. In other words, we're keeping both. Um, And then a handful of just Samore and I think one of neither, which is what I used to have it as. But then running back, obviously, it gets interesting. And I'm kind of surprised at some of the things I've seen. I'm I'm sticking with what I have. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and uh, Patrick Taylor. Very torn on it, but I'm just going to hold strong with that. But at running back, I see, let's see, one vote for Goodson. We've got, uh, I've seen a couple people with only two running backs, and that really shocks me because Matt LaFleur flat out said the third running back spot will go to somebody based on special teams. Now, maybe he's changed his mind, but um, that kind of surprises me. I see Bill Huber here has just two running backs on the roster. Um, Herman has two running backs on the roster. So that's a relatively popular thing. Um, hey, Brian Maffey agrees with me. Ken Ingles with just two running backs. That is such a popular take that I'm kind of surprised by. Big B has Patrick Taylor, my man. All right, it's looking like it's a lot more of a popular thing than I thought. Zach Jacobson with two running backs. So it actually seems like the most popular thing is just two running backs, which is kind of shocking to me. That must be a conversation being had in the back corners of Packers Twitter somewhere that I'm not aware of. Um, But I absolutely don't think that's the case. Patrick Taylor is the most popular. And I actually only saw, and I'm sure there's a billion more 53-man rosters out there, but I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine that I'm looking at. Um, and it looks like um, Hershorn and Bukowski are over at the leap are the only ones I see that have Tyler Goodson. That that's shocking to me because everybody has been hyping up Tyler Goodson. Um, tight end should be relatively straightforward. I know there are a couple. I'm sticking with my four: Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Josiah Aguara, and Tyler Davis. I'm assuming everybody mostly agrees. I know I saw somebody that had just three, which surprised me. But whoever that was, they're not on my list of nine here. Every it's, it's unanimous for a quarterback and for um, actually it's not for quarterback. Somebody had Etling is like a tight end quarterback thing. It's kind of weird. I don't think that's in my group of nine though. Um, offensive line, I've seen a lot of funky stuff. Most people are very. In fact, I don't know if let's let's just see Rashid Walker and Caleb Jones are on at at least one, if not both, are on just about everybody else's. I don't have either. As I've said before, I don't see the purpose. I don't really see the benefit. First of all, I'm already carrying nine. I've seen people carry as many as 11 offensive linemen. If you look back over the history, it's been nine, 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 eight, and nine. I have nine. Some people doing 11 is like, that's two more than they've ever done, and they've been very consistent with nine, aside from the one year they did eight. But Anyways, you know, I, I'm i looking at it. We got Bakhtiari, we got Royce, we got Jenkins, we got Tom, we got Nyman. We have tackles. Even if the two guys aren't there, we still have, like, f- what, three, four more? But um, let's see. This one has Caleb Jones. Looks like Huber's with me on just carrying the nine. Herman has Walker and Caleb Jones. This one just has the nine. So I'm not completely on my own. It looks like two of these also has just nine, but... Um, the the love for rashid walker is is really surprising to me for a 7th round pick who played a handful of snaps in one game that is clearly a developmental prospect um to say he's ready for the big time let's throw him in there and you know in case of emergency we'll we'll bring him in and again even if we really like him who cares we can elevate him if it gets to that point but we have so many tackles on the 53 i don't know why we would need rashid walker and the idea that he's going to get um you know, picked up is, is kind of insane to me. That's not going to happen. So I'm locking in those nine. Defensive line, and again, I'll, I'll we'll go through these nine. I mean, I'm not going to go through each, but I'll, I will right now. The only real big thing I've seen, because there's not a lot of competition anymore at defensive tackle, at least, I don't know, I guess we'll find out. But the biggest thing for a lot of people, and I think it's so they can cram extra wide receivers and offensive linemen that we don't need on the team, um, is to just shave this down to five and just dump Heflin. Maybe, I don't know. In fact, more than half now are just sitting at the five. Um, I'm going to stick with what I've got, but I will say it has become unanimous that Heflin is the guy. So I'll I'll, I'll take the W on that one. I mean, we'll see. Maybe Ford ends up winning, but um, that was another one of those things that everybody was freaking out about. I think it's, you know, Ford's going to win it. It's like, mm, no, I don't think so. So it's pretty unanimous that if they're going to keep somebody, it's Heflin. It's just a matter of if they will. And again, the majority, I don't know the exact number, five, six-ish of the ones that I looked at. Um, just have five defensive tackles. They've kept six the last three years in a row. Now, before that it was four, so who knows, but just saying. Um, Edge, I haven't looked, but from what I've seen, it seems very much the consensus that it's they're gonna keep five guys and it's gonna be Rashawn Preston, Kingsley, Garvin, and Tipa. I am the lone soldier at with Hamilton over Teepa. I have strongly considered putting Tipa on. Same thing I did with linebacker. Maybe we should just do an extra linebacker and call it a day but I put Winfrey on instead. Um, I I just I just think Hamilton's better. Um, I know Teepa's been like the guy since day one that's been running with the ones and all that, but that was training camp mostly prior to the preseason games. I think, Ham- well, again, via PFF, Hamilton has been the better pass rusher in the preseason. He's been the better special teamer. The only question I had was who's actually, and the other thing is Teepa's injured. Um, so that that's going to play into it. But... The only other thing was the last time Teepa played, was he the first guy out or was it Hamilton? So I had to go back to week two with the Saints. I looked at it. The first play, Teepa was out there, Hamilton was not. And I was like, oh, see, maybe, I don't know. And, you know, he could have lost it since week two, but whatever. The very second play, they pulled Teepa and put Hamilton on. Hamilton was on the next, like, five, six, seven, eight plays. I didn't see Teepa until, again, like eight plays later. And Hamilton was on the field with him. So technically, Teepa went out before Hamilton, but it was one random play they pulled him until like the next drive, halfway through it, Hamilton played almost the entire first series or so. So I would lean toward Hamilton was already ahead of Tipa in week two. Week three, Hamilton played, played well. Tipa was out. He's, he was injured. I believe he still is. So I'm going to roll with it. <clears throat> I, I am torn on it. I think the Packers really want Tipa to be a thing. It's Tipa's it's, their guy. They've developed him. They've worked on him. Now, I think they could probably still stash him. I don't think he's going to get picked up. I don't think Tepa's going to be happy about it, but I think they have the ability to do that. Hamilton is not. He's he's not a homegrown guy. He's a guy that they picked up, and you know, I think a lot of times these guys from other teams get picked up and they kind of flash, and it seems like the Packers, at least, I don't know about other teams, but they're kind of like, eh, we're going to stick with our homegrown guy. So I could see Teepa still continue to win, but I'm, I'm just going to stick by my guns here, and, and part of me is because everybody else isn't, it, it leads me to believe I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to stick by my guns anyways, just in case, because <laughs> it just makes more sense to me. But, you know, but um, yeah, this one has five plus Tipa This one actually has Kobe Jones. Oh, wait, it has Tipa too. Who who else? We, we got Rashawn Preston, Garvin. Oh, it's because there's six, but he's got Kobe Jones ahead of Hamilton. See, I don't know, man. It's making me nervous. <laughs> Everybody else hates Hamilton and doesn't want anything to do with him. I don't know. The only thing I can think is it's hype. There's been a lot of hype about Kobe Jones, and I know we've all seen Teepa kind of running the first team, whatever. So that's kind of what it's about. And I'm leaning a little more toward, I guess, PFF. But also, again, I just watched as Hamilton took the majority of the snaps to start at least week two. I, I guess I could watch week three and see what happened. I know Teepa's not there, but it's still worth looking at, I guess. Yeah, it's Hamilton and Garvin that are out there, so... I'm I'm sticking by it. It's making me nervous, but I'm I'm sticking by my guns here. I wonder if anybody else agreed with me at all. I doubt it. This one has Teepa. Actually, Herman has Teepa and doesn't have Garvin or Hamilton or Kobe Jones for that matter. It's a very different group. Um, let's see. This one has Jonathan Garvin and Kobe Jones. Again, Kobe Jones, ahead of Teepa and Hamilton. Another vote for Teepa. Here's one for Teepa. And again, the, the, the assumptions that I'm making are Rashawn, Preston, Kingsley, and Garvin. So, you know, if it's different than that, I'll let you know, which it has been, I don't know, once or so. Rashawn, Preston, Garvin, Kingsley, and Kobe Jones. Man, I am shocked at the amount of love for Kobe Jones. Again, I know he's had his flashes and whatnot, but that's surprising. Um, another one for Kobe Jones. Man, there there might be as many for Kobe Jones. What's Maybe this will be like the tiebreaker here. This is Teepa. It's close though. I mean, it's it's almost fifty fifty. I'm the only one that I can see. I'm I'm gonna look through the. I want to look through this Twitter thread, see if I can find one person that had Hamilton. Let's See, I'll add Maggie Loney to this. She does not have. She has TIPA. Mertig has TIPA. Danny Kotnick has just four, so he doesn't have anybody outside of Garvin. After Garvin, here we go. Found one. Justice Mosqueda, Tex Western, and Justice Mosqueda did one. They have. Rashawn, Preston, and Agbar, Hamilton. No Garvin, though, so it's still not exactly the same. But at least I'm not completely alone with Hamilton. But they got Hamilton actually beating Garvin. This is actually a very similar... They have Patrick Taylor, like I do. They have Jawan Winfrey, like I do. The only difference is they have Rasheed Walker so far. Everything else is exactly the same. Anyways, um, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, it's a very unusual take that I'm having there. But again, I, I feel like I've laid out my case well enough. Uh, linebacker almost seems pretty settled at this point. Quay, Campbell, Barnes, and then McDuffie. I don't really know what else you could do other than maybe we drop McDuffie or add Wilborn. That's, that's really the only options we have. And there you have it. Paul Brettel actually has Wilborn on here, which, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, and I could read what he says here, but I'm assuming it's a special teams thing for the exact same reason I said we would keep, um, summers just, just for special teams. So entirely possible. It, it It is. But again, I think the majority would have it where it is. And yeah, as of the uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, I now have 13 and uh, only one as the additional linebacker. But I think after that is where it gets probably the hardest, and that's at corner and safety. Again, I'm I'm completely set with Jair Stokes, Douglas, SJC, and Nixon. If you look at the remaining corners, um, We're talking about Ento, Gafford, and Keandre Thomas. Ento has actually played the least amount of snaps. That's who I have on here currently, if I don't change my mind in the next couple minutes. Keandre Thomas has taken the most snaps uh, outside of Shamar Jean Charles. Now, again, the most snaps doesn't necessarily mean anything, as we saw with Summers. He had the most special team snaps. I read too much into that, and they cut him. Uh, That could just absolutely mean we need to see more. Where, you know, again, Keyshawn Nixon has taken the least amount of snaps, I pretty much have him locked in as our backup slot guy. I could be wrong, but I'm just assuming he's got that locked up and that's why he didn't get as many snaps. And so, otherwise you got Rico, who is graded as the worst corner, but obviously you get the special teams stuff if you're into his special teams abilities. Um, or Ento. On special teams, Nixon was not used hardly at all on special teams, which is very surprising, but he wasn't. Seems like he just wasn't used very much in... in uh, on uh, in the preseason at all. I mean, it's only two games compared to everyone else's three, but still, we're talking five snaps compared to like thirty. Um, otherwise, it was actually quite close between Ento, Gafford, Shamar, and Keandre in terms of special team snaps. I mean, the the, the lowest amount was Ento at twenty one, and the highest was Keandre at thirty. Um, the highest graded would be Ento and Keandre Thomas. Ah oh, man, Keandre did look. See, it's tough because I'm I'm basically keeping Hamilton for the same reason I should keep Keandre Thomas. Let me do my little uh, watch the games trick and see who kind of started at corner at these positions and whatnot. And would you look at that? Keandre Thomas and Shamar Jean Charles were the first two corners out there to start the game week three. Well, that um, that should pretty much wrap it up, right? Keandre Thomas had the most special teams snaps. He was very close to Ento in terms of his special teams abilities. He had the most tackles. Um, pretty much out of anyone. I mean, Keandre, Keandre Thomas and Tariq Carpenter had two tackles and one assist. Ray Wilborn is the only one with more, with three tackles and assists, but he also had two missed tackles. So that's why his grade is actually not super great. So he's been somewhat of a liability, Ray Wilborn. So Keandre Thomas has been up there with Tariq Carpenter in terms of his special teams ability. One of the highest graded, let's see, overall grade. He was eighth. He was the second highest after Ento, but again... Look at defense. He had the second most amount of snaps after Shamar Jean Charles at 121. Ento had 69 snaps. And if you look at the highest graded, Keandre Thomas was the highest graded, and not because well he's going up against third, fourth. Three. He was out there first. He and Shamar Jean Charles. So Keyshawn Nixon, Rico Gafford, K. B. Ento are grading out worse coming in after him. In fact, the only person on the entire defense with a good special teams coverage or a good coverage grade is Keandre Thomas. He had the lowest run defense and tackling grades, but I think I'm gonna make the switch. I don't know what else what else there is to see. Most snaps on defense, most snaps on special teams, highest graded on defense, second highest graded on special teams. Well, second most snaps after Shamar, I guess, but he's he's locked up. And preseason week three, the starting corners, Shamar Gene Charles and KeAndre Thomas. So that's what we're doing. Now the big question, is there anybody that agrees with that? Um, right off the bat, the leap, they agree. The very next one agrees. <laughs> I, I didn't think it would really be much of anybody. Herman has five. He has a lot of very small groups because he has some some that are just so, like, again, eight wide receivers and 11 offensive linemen. So he has to really trim a lot of these down. Um, another Keandre Thomas. It's actually somewhat of a popular take, I guess. Uh, Ingles has Keandre. And again, I'm, I'm, if I'm not changing anything else, we're assuming it's Stokes, Razul, Jair. And then Shamar and Nixon are are the two backups. So it's really just a matter of, is that it? Or is the next person Keandre or whoever else? Um, This person has Rico. Another one for Keandre. Keandre. All right. I guess this is the consensus. Well, there you go. Makes sense, I guess. Here's another one for Gafford. Maggie has Gafford. Mertig has Gafford. So, all right. I guess we'll lock that in. It looks like uh, Justice and Tex also have Rico Gafford. So that would be... So probably Keandre's is the most popular, then it would be Rico, and then the next most popular would be to just not have that additional corner, which is an option. Um, if I had stuck with Ento, I would have been the lone ranger on that, and I will be upset if they end up going with Ento, but it just, again, it just makes more sense to me, because there's nothing Ento does better than Thomas. To be fair, there's nothing that Rico does better than Thomas. However, Rico's been the one guy that they've actually used as a returner which I think is part of the reason, and and, the speed and everything else, I think a lot of people are intrigued by that. Maybe the Packers will want to go with that. It's possible, especially if you're way down the depth chart, but um, yeah, I'll I'll stick with what we got. Then uh, safety, Amos and Savage, obviously. That's where it gets really just impossible, though. Um, And I do need to do my trick because I just need to see, again, Davis is only the guy because he's been the guy. Is he still the guy? So he's still the guy. The one thing that really stands out to me, though, you know who the next guy is. It's Abernathy. Um, man, let me play this out a little bit and just see who the next guy is. I know Dallin has been injured, so he's not going to come out. Um, I'm just curious. I'll tell you what, he looks good too. That guy flies. He really does. I don't. I don't know that he's really. I've seen him like make a huge impact, but he just he gets from point A to point B so fast, just in terms of recognizing it. Um, it seems like they're using him more as a box, whereas Davis seems to be more of the free safety, which is surprising because Davis is like a hulking, massive person. And Micah seems like the smaller sideline to sideline speed guy. But, you know, whereas Sean Davis just kind of hangs back and doesn't really get anywhere. Uh, Micah is, is everywhere. You know, whether or not he's the guy that actually brings a guy down, he's just always there. Crazy. Almost looks like he actually almost undercut a pass that it was lucky it burned into the ground because he was about to get there. Okay, and then on the third series, they pulled Sean Davis. They kept Micah Abernathy out there, and they brought Tariq Carpenter. So that seems to be the pecking order: Sean Davis, then Micah, then Tariq. So that because that was my question, and and I don't I don't know for sure that that's the thing. It could be that Micah's ahead of Sean Davis, but my assumption is, considering he's our number three and potentially number two depending on Savage, we don't want him to play a ton, so they pulled Sean Davis. Um, but here's my question: Tariq is the number three. But I believe he is a significantly better special teamer. So do we go Sean Davis and Micah Abernathy because that's our number three and four safety? Or do we do Sean Davis and Tariq Carpenter because it's our number three safety with our number, I guess, five safety that um, you know is a significantly better special teamer? And yes, there is the option of adding additional safeties, but I'd have to pull from somewhere else and I don't want to at this point in time. You could do Davis... Carpenter, and Apernathy. But I just... I also, it seems as though... Well, I don't I don't know, because now it seems like actually they, they... Now that they swapped it, they've got Tariq kind of more as the box guy. They're letting Micah stay out as the free safety. So they're kind of getting that secondary look at him. But it definitely seems like Tariq would be more the box guy. And if they're going to play Sean Davis at free safety, not that it's really up to any of them, because you're going to go out and replace whoever went down. And on top of that, we if you're a safety as a packer or just in the NFL, you have to be able to do everything. But I'm just thinking in terms of functionality. Then again, if you want to go two ways, Micah Abernathy is probably better than Tariq. Let's look at it. Um, snap count. It is not really super close. Micah Abernathy, 111 snaps. Second is Sean Davis at 88. However, Tariq Carpenter, 63 snaps in two games. He would have, if you extrapolate that out to three games, about 95 snaps, which is relatively close. (laughs) However, Tariq Carpenter, 63 overall grade on defense, Micah Abernathy, 79. Again, I think the guy's playing phenomenal. I just don't know how much stock you put into this preseason in terms of his ability to come in and perform as a safety in the NFL compared to what we know or believe Tariq would be able to do on special teams. I just, I don't know the answer to that. And Tariq is a phenomenal tackler, which is nice, I guess. And not, I mean, 67 coverage grade is not the worst. The other factor here is that Carpenter is a seventh-round rookie. Micah is not necessarily an old guy, but he's been around a little bit. He played for uh, Indy back in 2019. He was picked up by the Vikings in 2019. So he's he's had several years in the league. Presumably there's an injury mixed in there somewhere, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but he's been in the league for a while. He's a veteran. We're talking, what, year four for Abernathy? And beyond that, something else to keep in mind, Minnesota Vikings. What do we know about the Vikings? This might even, this might even just put me over the edge here. When he came into the league, who did he play under? Granted, it was a very brief period of time because by the time 2019 rolled around, he played in the preseason for Indy. But still, he does have a, a glimmer of experience with our now DB coach in Green Bay. The picture I'm looking at of, is, is of him in a Vikings jersey. And he seems to be thriving in uh, with what we're doing here. Man, I'm torn on this. I suppose the other thing is to just go the safe route and put Dallin Levitt in there. I'm guessing that's whatever. Just, I just started looking at other people's and I see Dallin Levitt. But again, the guy is just not good at anything. Unless our special teams coach just has that much pull, and they're like, he's just like, I just want the guy, and there's nothing you can do about it. I just—he's just not good, though. He has one of the lowest special teams grades. I mean, granted, he only played in one game, so he didn't get a ton of opportunities. But it's—it's it's bad, dude. Sean Davis is the only safety with a lower special teams grade than Dallin Levitt. Dallin Levitt has the lowest uh, grade on PFF on a per game basis. By the way, he. Uh, did not play very much. 21 snaps in one game is slightly more than Vernon Scott got in two games, and, and he was hurt, so who knows if he would have ended up with more. So I don't know. Plus, there's the injury, and I don't know how much that's still lingering. I just don't think I can put him I just don't want to put him on. I, I feel like that's just a peer pressure move. I think the thing that throws me off is um, if you go back to Week 1, and I, again, a lot can change, obviously, since Week 1, but Dallin Levitt was essentially first string or preseason first string, along with um, Vernon Scott, which is to say ahead of Sean Davis at the time. So, I mean, it is hard to imagine him just completely falling off the team while injured. I don't know, man. It is actually kind of all over the place with safety, too. It's kind of funny. I didn't really, I I thought it was just going to be everybody's just going to say Levitt because that was the first couple that I looked at. But um, that is not so much the case. This one has uh, Davis and Levitt. This one has Abernathy and Tariq. I mean, well, we'll assume Amos Savage and Davis. Abernathy and and Carpenter, this one has. This one has Levitt and Carpenter. This one just has Abernathy. This is Levitt, Levitt, and Abernathy. Just Levitt. Levitt. Levitt and Abernathy. Trying to talk myself into Levitt. I'm looking at his previous experience as a special teamer. I mean... His grades are 55, 39, 54, and 62. He's never really been that good. He has a lot of experience. No quite He has a ton of experience. But the missed tackles are a little out of control. He did have a massive amount. He had 11 tackles last year, which is maybe why everybody's so excited about him. And again, our special teams coach obviously loves the guy. He does have a lot of experience as a safety as well, which is probably a lot of pull. And he, he was, he's been average about 60 all four years, and he played a ton. 255 snaps last year. Strangely, almost entirely in coverage, which makes me think maybe he was like a third safety. But, uh, fine. I'll put freaking stupid Levitt. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Levitt. I don't mean to call you stupid. I just... I don't know. I wanted to put Tariq because of special teams. And maybe he'll be on there because of special teams. I don't know. But I'm not adjusting my 53 and dropping somebody else off. I, I I'm not prepared to do that right now. It's really just a question of... Of injury, I'm. I'm going to give myself that out. In fact, I'm going to put Levitt on here with Carpenter in parentheses to indicate that that is my prediction if Dallin Levitt is injured because I don't know what his injury status is. Or should I put Car- Abernathy? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll just take the stupid Carpenter off here and put Levitt because I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. Just, just, just let it ride. I guess. It's the only other question is: Are there any surprises at? Uh, Specialists. Right out of the gate. Second uh second fifty-three has uh Remiz Ahmad there. Ahmed there, whatever. Looks like Huber has it too. Oh no he does. Never mind. That's tough as cut, says Remiza Ahmed. So yeah, just the one. I'm not gonna mess with it. But alright, she's officially, officially, official now. This is it. I'm not touching it. I'm not looking at it. Um that is unless some news comes across of another cut, in which case I will update it and everybody's just gonna have to get over it. But uh, we got Rodgers and Love. Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dobbs, Watson, Rodgers, and Winfrey. Running backs, I'm adding Taylor. Might as well just get to the extras. Tight ends are going with all four, including Davis. Offensive linemen. you got your starting five. I'm adding Zach Tom. We got Hanson, who is our interior swing guy, guard slash center. Sean Ryan, because we need to. And then Nyman, obviously, because he's Nyman. Uh, defensive tackles. All the keepers plus Heflin, going with six there. Edge, we got Rashawn and Preston. Kingsley, obviously. And then Garvin and Hamilton are the uh, probably the next up after uh, Rashawn and Preston. Linebackers, Quay and Campbell. But then we got Barnes, who's sort of locked into that number three spot, and then we're going with McDuffie. Um, cornerbacks, Jire, Stokes, Douglas. Shamar is sort of that locked up, next up guy. Uh, Nixon is backing up Douglas in the slot. And then Keandre Thomas is going to be our wild card. Safety, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, along with Davis, Sean Davis, and uh, Dallin Levitt. And then special teams, Mason, we're trusting, will be back, uh, along with O'Donnell and Jacques Coco. All right, well, the good news is you'll never have to hear a 53 from me again. So there you go. Anyways, why don't we take a break, right, Shia? Come back and cover a few more things. Got some news and notes to go over and whatnot. If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. And again, I'm asking for uh, any support for those that are willing, able, or interested in Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. It is a uh, brand new venture that has been in the works by my dad for between 15 and 20 years. And uh, finally just bought the property. We went out there this summer. It's, it's absolutely beautiful out there. There's several acres, a house, barn. The neighbors really don't like them. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. You just you wouldn't think of Indiana as being related to Alabama, but boy, oh boy, you cross a certain line and you are just in the South and you get into rural South. I don't care if it's Northern rural South or Southern rural South. And, you know, there's probably a few differences, but not many, but I love it. I, I, I keep saying before my dad even ever bought that place, we had stopped, we would stop in Columbus on the way down because it's just kind of a good third of the way down to Florida. And um, I was actually shocked and a little disappointed that the best biscuits and gravy I had, because I got it at every single place we stopped, all the way down, starting in Indiana, all the way down to Florida, and every place in between. And that place in Columbus, which is actually no longer open, had my favorite biscuits and gravy of any, any place. So anyways, there's a lot more to come, a lot more that needs to be done, but he's still getting it started. Um, there is a person that he's been working with. He is a prison chaplain. So one of the guys that uh, he's been working with in the prison got out and he's actually living on the on the premises right now, uh, helping to work the farm and uh, keep things up and running, planning on at some point um, building out dorms as a place for uh, for people to come and live that that need a place. So again, if, th- if you're able, it would be amazing if you could just give anything to that. You can find links to it at the top, pinned to the top of my Twitter, as well as the Packing a Podcast Facebook group. If you don't have that, want that, or whatever, feel free to reach out to me and I can get you a uh, a link. Uh, even if you just want to look at it, see what it is before you make any decisions, I can get you some links to that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. You know, I was cruising around on the Twitters and whatnot, and I saw this poll kind of listing four different Michael Jackson songs and which ones were the best or whatever. And um, this one immediately came to mind, and I was like, you guys are idiots if this isn't the one that you pick. Then I listened to the other three, and I was like, dude, I know he's got, like, stuff going on in his life or had stuff going on in his life. This dude made some bangers, man. I don't think there will ever be an album, or in this case, a cassette, but you know what I mean, that... I don't even know the word for it. I guess it's not the right way to put it, but I enjoyed more than um, Dangerous. I know Thriller's got all the good songs and everything, but I, I just, you know when you're younger and like everything's kind of magical? Things aren't just cool or enjoyable. Everything is like magical. Nintendo, back in the day, the games were just like, you turn it on and it was just like, it was this heavenly experience. I still remember watching the Three Stooges in my brother's room. It was, it was like when that music came on. To this day, I get chills. We had a cassette of that album, and man, just looking at that just, just does something. And I know it wasn't this isn't in any way his most popular songs, but still. Anyways, I'm, uh, I listened to a little bit of Michael Jackson, and uh, it made me happy. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. And I'm hoping it brings you joy as well. Shall we go back to what we were talking about now? Anyways, um, pretty big news, I guess. Uh, let, let's start with the minor of the big news. A lot of roster construction things going on. Um, LaVisca Chenault has been traded. I, a lot of this stuff has to do with cutdowns, right? We're trying to solidify certain things to kind of, you know, it, it, it changes everything. For example, let's say the Packers had traded for LaVisca Chenault. Obviously, they didn't and don't need to. I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying it changes everything. Suddenly we start making different adjustments. That's maybe a bad example because it wouldn't really do anything and it would really just confuse things. Um, The heck would be a better example? (laughs) I don't know. Sure, there is one somewhere. If we got an edge rusher, then it would probably be the new guy, Garvin, and then um, Schlimschlam, you know, um, (laughs) Kingsley Enagbler, Schnigflig, just Kingsley. Whatever. The point is, it, it changes things so that we can do certain other things. So everybody's trying to do stuff right now, trying to really hammer out the, the big moves and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of rumblings about Tevin Jenkins might get shipped off. Here, Let's talk about that for a minute. I know it's the Bears. I get it. It's, it's not about hating. It's just, it's interesting to me. Because it's really unusual. Pardon me. Unusual. Don't worry about it. If you listen to Bears fans, Tevin Jenkins, who was a third stringer like a month ago, Became like second string tackle. They moved him to guard. He became the first string guard. And Bears fans are saying he's elite, dominant, great, wonderful. He's got the job locked up. The insiders, Schefter for a long time. And now as of, well, yesterday, a couple hours ago, Ian Rappaport says it's still a thing. The Bears are at the very least listening to offers, which by the way, I know that there's a whole, well, everybody listens to every They're not going to just casually bring that up if there's not something to it. Like, I mean, the Packers would technically listen to an offer. What if somebody offered seven first-round picks for David Bakhtiari? You think they wouldn't do it? That's not what anybody's talking about. There's something here. The interesting thing about it, though, is the two best guards, I believe, on their team are Cody Whitehair and Schofield, who they just paid to bring in as a free agent. Tevin Jenkins is not it. Now, he's a younger developmental guy that kind of makes more sense in the long term, but what if you're a new regime who really doesn't think he fits this scheme because he's kind of a, a mauler between the tackle and center, and we've brought in this Matt LaFleur outside zone, need to be a little bit more quick on your nimble on your feet type of a guy, and it doesn't really fit, and we don't really like him, and heck, we didn't draft him, so maybe we can get some, some if we can showcase him you know, as the number one guard and show him pancaking people and then start making calls to all 31 teams and saying, hey, what do you think? I don't think that's impossible. A lot of Bears fans are not buying it, and I'm skeptical that a deal is going to get done. It seems like it would be sort of crazy if something got done. I want it to for two reasons. Number one, of course there's a chance that this guy turns into a freak. I mean, he was a he was a basically a first-round prospect that fell to the second round, right? I mean, he fell for a reason, so technically he's a second-round guy, but I don't want them to eventually hit on a gem. I'd much rather them have to pay for old veterans that aren't going to stick around for very long and make them take new swings at offensive line next year. Secondly, it would crush the spirit of Bears fans who are convinced that not only is their offensive line better, but he's a major part of that. Oh, really? Well, then why did they just get rid of him? Kind of be a little dose of reality. But anyways, we'll see how that all pans out. Um, News is coming pretty fast and furious. Most of it is not um, interesting. However, Tim Boyle is out there, ladies and gentlemen. So we can have a uh, QB3 battle amongst Packer fans. Who would you rather have? I'm sure Boyle would win, but what if we said Bankert, Boyle, or Ellinger? I'm sure there's some Ellinger truthers out there, because it's, you know, the most recent thing that happened is Ellinger looked adequate. But anyways, the biggest news that came across the wire here, the San Francisco 49ers have restructured Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, meaning all this offseason they've tried to offload him. They've tried to trade him, they tried to move him, nobody's biting. And um, it would not have been very costly to bring on Jimmy Garoppolo. The biggest issue, he obviously had surgery, so there's some question about when he'd be good to go. But they restructured him. Let's put it this way. If the 49ers would have released him, they would have been on the hook for $2 million. There's no more guaranteed money in that man's contract. So you can go ahead and trade that contract to somebody else. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't carry any weight whatsoever. And the fact that nobody seemed to be very interested in him means pretty much anybody could raise their hand and said, hey, we'll do it for this amount. Now, the question I have is, were there teams that raised their hand and were like, hey, uh, we're willing to trade for Jimmy? And you talk to Jimmy Garoppolo's agent and you say, hey, would you be willing to do it for like 10 million bucks? And they're like, yeah, sure. But the 49ers are like, "Mm, I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Partly because there's compensation involved, but also partly because maybe the 49ers aren't sure they want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo yet. I, 49ers fans, will never agree to this, ever. No way. But I'm, I think it's a little interesting that almost immediately after the third preseason game and the third and final chance to take a look at Trey Lance and see if he is, in fact, ready to lead this team to Super Bowl championship glory, almost immediately after that final look, they're like, you know, maybe, Jimmy, you just hang out with us for a little bit. You know what I mean? And rather than paying $2 million to just let him walk, because obviously, who, why would you pay to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around? We got our guy in Trey Lance. They decided to pay $6.5 million to give him a new contract and uh, keep him around. Now, that's not a massive amount of money. Some people were throwing around the idea that it was the biggest contract, but just a cursory look at it. And there are other um, Mitch Trubisky's making more money than that. So he's probably one of the highest-paid backups, but it's it's still not a very significant amount of money. But the point is, regardless of all of that, the 49ers very easily could have just cut this, just made a clean break and said, we can't find any compensation for him. Zero teams are willing to give us even a seventh-round pick, so we're just going to cut bait. I'm sure that's not the situation, but let's just pretend that is. Like right? we, we can't get any compensation, and we don't want to just cut him, so we're going to pay him. I just don't buy that. Why? Nobody else does that, by the way. When teams are looking to cut a guy, they'll try to get compensation. And if they can't, you know what they do? They cut them. They let them walk. Oh, well, we tried. We couldn't drum up any interest. I guess we got to just let them walk. That's what happens. You don't pay to keep them when you've already decided you don't want to keep them. That doesn't make any sense. You're going in the wrong direction. We're trying to get paid to get rid of them. We can't. So the next best thing is get rid of them. And even what it's, you know, you got... uh, the little breakdown here on NBC Sports saying um, any team trading for his old contract would have taken on 25 million dollar base salary, a greatly reduced cost. He is now far more appealing. In other words, the take on this is he was 25 million they would have had to trade him for, but now that the 49ers have cut him down to 6.5 million, now teams will be more interested. The team could have done that. Teams do that all the time. They trade based on a, a restructure agreement. You work with the team on a compensation. We'll give you X amount for the player, and then you work out ahead of time a a deal with the player so that the 49ers say yes, and then Garoppolo or whoever says yes, and then you immediately, upon the trade, work on restructuring the deal that we agreed upon. So that the whole, well, the, they just couldn't offload him because it was $25 million, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's nonsense. Let me let... Here's what Mike Silver, some people are downplaying this, right? And and listen, there are a lot of people, that, there's different kinds of reporters out there. There's some who are always got the back of certain players, certain quarterbacks, right? Whether it be Lance or Fields or whatever. Then you got guys who are just nice. They just don't want to say mean things. They just want to say nice things. So you're going to have a lot of people out there that are supporting the 49ers, supporting Jimmy G, supporting Trey Lance, supporting this decision. It's not about Lance, That's just the way they do things, but let's be completely honest. Here's what Mike Silver had to say, and I tend to agree. This is a hedge, plain and simple. And the reason the 49ers are hedging is they're worried that Lance, for all his promise, won't be good enough to get their built-to-win-now team to its only acceptable destination. This is 100% true. He's not ready! He's not this isn't to say that this is what I was trying to talk to somebody who's a 49ers fan on Twitter about. He was mad that, that he gets so much scrutiny. And what I tried to tell him is, duh, he should get more scrutiny. The, all the other quarterbacks that were drafted, uh, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, all of those teams, with the exception of one, 49ers and Trey Lance, are rebuilding. All of those teams suck. They're starting at the bottom, and they're willing to invest in a guy, and if he doesn't pan out, whatever, the team sucks, who cares, we can allow him to grow as we rebuild. The hope for the Bears is that the team, along with Justin Fields, gets better. The hope for the Jaguars is that as Trevor Lawrence improves, and the team around him improves, the team will get better, and that will continue to grow over time. The 49ers are trying to improve the quarterback position so that they can capitalize on the team that they have right now. They're not willing to go backwards with Trey Lance, which is what I think they're doing right now. So there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. There's a reason teams like the Packers don't pay $6.5, 7000000 million for guys like Jimmy Garoppolo to come be the backup quarterback. You know what it is? Because Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, and we're not going to spend more money at the quarterback position. This isn't about, well, what happens if so-and-so gets... Who was Jimmy Garoppolo's backup quarterback all these years? garbage. You know why? Because like everybody else, they're willing to admit that if our starting quarterback goes out, our season's over. Which it was for the 49ers, by the way. As soon as Jimmy went down, the team went to zero. That's how it is for all teams despite everybody trying to pick on the pack. Oh, once your quarterback leaves, you're done. <laughs> teams Fans of teams like the Bears say that because they don't understand that that's just how it works for most. They have no idea because their starter and their backup and their third string quarterback are like the same guy. So they're like, Pfft, Our team doesn't even get any worse when our starter loses. Sometimes they get better. I know. I remember. I saw Dalton play, and he was significantly better than Fields. I was there. It was like eight months ago. I remember that. But for the rest of the competent NFL universe, when your starter goes out, your season is over. And if that isn't the case, your season's already over because your team sucks. If Josh Allen goes down, the Bills are done. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, the Packers are done. If Matt Stafford goes down, the Rams are done. Pat Mahomes goes down, the Chiefs are done. Oh no, remember? They lost him for like five seconds in the playoffs and barely snuck out a win. Remember that? Not what I'm talking about. We saw Matt Flynn do that too. That's not exactly the same thing, though. I'm not talking about sneaking out lucky wins here and there. I'm talking about your team officially sucks. By the way, last couple points on this. Number one, do you remember last year when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback and then they, tr- they they wanted Trey Lance. Everybody wanted in San Francisco and elsewhere for Trey Lance to win the job because they didn't like Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody likes out there likes Jimmy Garoppolo. It's basically Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, except even worse. Imagine if Kirk Cousins sucked like a lot more than he does. How much everybody would really hate that guy? That's like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not as bad as, as 49ers fans try to make him out to be, because just like Bears fans with their old coach, they want to assign all the all their problems on one guy and then ship him off and burn the boat, so that now everything's perfect. But anyways, they wanted Trey Lance to be the starting car. Everybody did. The, the media loved Trey Lance. He's the greatest thing in the world, and, and he should get the starting job over Garoppolo, because Trey Lance is the greatest thing ever, right after Justin Fields, and, um, you know, Garoppolo's garbage. Well, that didn't happen. Garoppolo won the job. But then... As the season went on, they really, really, really tried to push it, They tried to force him on the team, and then at at one point they actually said, okay, you try to go out there. Not as like a quarterback, but maybe like a gadgety kind of, I don't know, just just stand out there and see what we can do. It was a complete and utter disaster, and they said no more, and they didn't let him touch the field ever again for the rest of the year. Well, I guess he did get a shot in week 17, just randomly. I'm assuming because Garoppolo got hurt, because the guy's always hurt. I don't know. But anyways, one random week, week 17, and then he was done. So... Weeks, what? Starting in week four, they're like, all right, let's get this, give this a shot, weeks four and five, and then they said, never mind, this is a disaster. Let's never do this again. In fact, let's look at it, just to be clear on this. And by the way, if you're wondering why this matters, the 49ers just beat us in the playoffs. The 49ers have been a thorn in our side since forever. If they figure it out, it is... What happens to the 49ers is more important than what happens to the Bears. The Bears are fun to pick on because they suck, and it's funny to laugh at them. The 49ers are going to be the team waiting for us in the playoffs. Unless something tragic happens, like, oh, I don't know, Trey Lance sucks, and uh, they try to run with him. So basically, the only reason Trey Lance was given the keys early is because Jimmy got hurt, as usual. The 49ers, or, or, or the, the commentary at that time was, nobody was expecting Trey Lance keys this early. In other words, why is he just coming in because of an injury? Well, don't worry, I mean, this is a long-term developmental, it's not a big deal, I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be the guy. Anyways, Trey Lance kind of tweaked his knee a little bit, but that following week, both Jimmy and Trey are coming back from injury. The question is, what do you think? Did Trey do enough? Is he going to be the guy? Shanahan says, well, I got to grind the tape a little bit and see what I think and see who comes out on top. The next statement by Kyle Shanahan, we didn't draft Trey just to fix this year. That is to say, looks like he kind of sucks this year. It's going to be a long-term development, boys. Development. We drafted him so he could be the quarterback here of the future. B.S. You want to get rid of Jimmy G so bad. December 13th, NBC's Peter King reports the 49ers have not made up their minds at all about how to handle their quarterback situation in 2022 and beyond. <laughs> then, December 28th, 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan said Trey Lance has improved over the past month while running the scout team. Wow, big boy stuff. So then, Jimmy sprains his thumb. He's just the, the guy is just a walking... Band aid. So Trey Lance has to come back out. That same day, after Trey Lance and the 49ers just stomped out the Texans 23-7, to Kyle Shanahan walks up to the podium and says, yeah, if, uh, if Jimmy's ready, he's our quarterback. There was no doubt. This is January. This was a half a year ago. If this banged up, beat up guy that everybody hates and says that he sucks comes back ready, he's 100% going to be the guy over Trey Lance. And it's hilarious because he said, if he comes back 100%, he's our guy. He came back with severe pain in his thumb. They still made him play. And then here comes Adam Schefter. February 24th, ESPN's Adam Schefter suggests the 49ers might keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Schefter said Kyle Shanahan and the Niners could stick with Garoppolo in 2022, in large part because of the quarterback is popular with teammates, and Trey Lance still has a ways to go in his development. Uh, It says, Lance, Schefter said, was probably further behind than people realized. Trey Lance is greener than people realize. Trey Lance is going to need more work than people realize and have a roster that can win now. But anyways, the the final piece to this that, you know, just makes it nonsense is the fact that everybody is doing a complete 180 on this. Five minutes ago, Jimmy Garoppolo was just say la vie. He's a bum. Get him out of here. We never needed him. Trey Lance is the future. Now, all of a sudden, this was always the best plan. This always made the most sense. You're, you're acting like this is a crazy thing. We always knew this was going to happen. Lies. <laughs> Lies. But in all honesty, this, this ultimately is probably a net negative for the Green Bay Packers because they've allowed themselves a buffer. This is very similar to the Roquan situation where they had two really bad options and they picked the third one. Trade them or pay them. They didn't do either. With the 49ers situation, boy, oh boy, I was really loving this whole Trey Lance thing. The only thing I didn't like about it is I was worried that they were going to botch week one against the Bears. The problem is now that they brought back Garoppolo, they're pro- I- I'm 99% sure Trey Lance is going to get the start against the Bears, so this isn't even going to fix anything. If Jimmy Garoppolo starts, it's going to be because things got so wildly out of control and horrible with Trey Lance, they decide to play Jimmy later. Jimmy that's been sitting and is now healthy. Hope- the only thing we can hope at that point is that the... The, their playoffs hopes are dashed, <laughs> but it just it just brings me pure joy. I get that that makes me a terrible person. I can't help it. I love seeing the 49ers in such a horrible situation where they their best option is to pay big-time backup quarterback money to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy that they have been dogging, they've been trashing, shown no respect to the quarterback that took them to the playoffs made them a much better team when he was playing. Go look at the record when he played compared to when he didn't. He's like 32-14. and It's an incredible record he has with that team. And without him, it's it's an appalling record. They are a garbage franchise when Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback. But he gets no respect. He gets no credit. He gets nothing. And they have treated him like complete garbage. And now they come groveling back after spitting on him and throwing him to the curb. And it makes me happy. Um, finally, Alexander Madison of the Minnesota Vikings apparently is asking to leave. I can't necessarily corroborate that part of the story, but at the very least, there is talk of trading Alexander Madison. Now, the one report I saw, and this was just an Instagram graphic, maybe it was fake, but is that he wants to be a starting running back, and he can't be that while he's playing behind Dalvin, especially now that they've become a much less... Uh, run-heavy offense, his usage is going to plummet as the number two running back. And I'll just say, if, if if they lose Madison, I think that puts them in a tough spot. I think Alexander Madison's a pretty good running back. I don't think he's anything necessarily super elite, and maybe it's a similar situation you get with the 49ers and a bunch of other teams where it doesn't really matter who you stick behind them. It seems like with the, with the Minnesota Vikings, they've been this way for a while. They're going to run the ball well. Again, that may not be the case anymore because they've got a new style of offense, but Considering Dalvin Cook's injury history, if Dalvin goes down and Madison's gone, you're looking at a situation where Kene Nuwangwu is uh, your starting running back for the season. 2021 fourth round pick. There's also Ty Chandler, 2022 fifth round pick, and Bryant Kobach, undrafted free agent from this year. So, probably not anybody in Minnesota's favorite thing to hear that Alexander Madison would like to go bye-bye um but it is what it is anyways i'm gonna get out of here gotta do um pack after dark very quickly and then get this live stream rocking and rolling but you guys have yourselves a great night and i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye